these three things alone give you 50% growth a year if you start factoring them in from 24, 25, 26, 28 for the next five years. I put it here as optimistic, but I would say it's cautious optimistic. Going back to what's the superpower of Tesla, I don't think there's one. So this is a video I've been waiting to do for a long time. A straight, complete review of Tesla as an investment from a financial expert. If you're wondering whether or not Tesla will beat every other investment in 2023, or if you'd like to know the bombshell news the Fed just dropped, or what is the right valuation for Nvidia stock, then stick around and you'll definitely enjoy today's video. Tom Nash is a financial guru who provides opinions on the stock market, the economy, and financial news. His YouTube channel called Tom Nash TV has close to 290,000 subscribers and has had over 38 million views. Tom left Russia to an American college and got his MBA, then worked for a major fund and 10 years in Deloitte as a senior manager. With that background, I'd love to ask him, how do we build a bulletproof investment in 2024? And of course, my favorite topic, what is the valuation for Tesla using the discounted cash flow method? Smart and opinionated, I guarantee you, you'll learn something new today. Welcome, Tom. Thank you for joining me. It's my pleasure. I love your work and uh, I've enjoyed your conversation with Alexandra and Farzad. I think you guys have been killing it in the community. As thank you so much. And uh, what I like about you, of course, is you come in on a very uh, financial level, looking at uh, specific stocks. What I was, what threw me about your valuation for Tesla was you have said something like you think Tesla is going to destroy every other investment in 2023. And so, I'm very curious why you would say that in an, a year when this is the AI boom. We saw the Nvidia going up. Now that was the first half. But what are you thinking is going to happen in the second half? Tell us. I think it's a very interesting question, and it has multi-layered answers. Uh, you've kind of alluded to some of, the, some of the components of that, but I'll try to break it down to the best of my ability. Uh, look, first of all, as you mentioned, the AI boom is real. Um, that means there's a lot of trash uh, that's riding the hype. There's a few companies I'm not going to name here, obviously. But there's obviously, you know, like in the dot-com bubble, we got some of the best tech companies that came out of it, but there's a lot of pets.com, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, obviously, I think Tesla belongs to the group of the legitimate companies and the ones that will you know, revolutionize uh, the world completely. That's the, you know, that's the new industrial revolution happening right now. And the, the thing is, look, uh, out of the, all, the whole AI sector, surprisingly, Tesla, which is probably a top two, three AI tier company, like if you kind of think about, okay, what, what are the top three AI plays in the market right mm -hmm. now? In my view, without any specific particular order, it's Tesla, Palantir, and NVIDIA. And you might rearrange this in any certain particular way you like. I honestly think, if anything, Palantir and Tesla are a little bit above and NVIDIA comes in second because they're more in the service tier of things. But in that sense, okay, we're talking about a top three AI play and it didn't run up as fast as NVIDIA. It didn't run up as fast as some of the other high plays. In fact, I would argue that Tesla, despite being arguably the best AI play in the market, maybe comparable with Palantir, they're still relatively cheap. If you look at the valuations of Tesla, and if you do a comparable valuation to NVIDIA, you're going to be blown away. NVIDIA is trading at, at, at 200 and something PE, 230 PE. Tesla is trading at 80. Like, that means that the market is currently pricing NVIDIA as a three times better than uh, NVIDIA is three times better than Tesla. Uh, look at price to sales. It's a very similar story. Uh, 
So I think in, in Nvidia, if if it's the benchmark of what the market prices as the leader in AI, is where Tesla should be as far as pricing. And I think it has a long ways to go because the market hasn't really figured out. Wait, it's not Nvidia who's number one. It's actually Tesla and maybe Palantir. But we're here to talk about Tesla today, right? So I think there's a huge gap. Look, at the end of the day, Herbert, you know they teach us something in business school that's like the basis of any financial modeling which is the market is perfect. And in that sense, you know, <laughs> right. the market always prices all information perfectly. <laughs> Everybody has full access to all the information and everything is priced in at all any given time. <laughs> if that assumption would have been true, we would not have the stock market. Nobody would ever make money. So I would adjust that assumption in, in, to something a little bit different. I would say that the market overall as an aggregate on average is pretty good at Correct. pricing things but the market misses individual companies a lot. And there's plenty of examples where the market is lagging on identifying market leaders. It did that with Tesla for years. For years, it was criminally undervalued. And it still is, surprisingly, just because it ran up an obscene amount of percentage point. In fact, I, I just posted a, a few weeks ago, if you would have listened to Jim Cramer when he said not to buy the IPO, you would have missed on 22,000% of gain, right? But despite that, it is still incredibly criminally undervalued. I think it has an equivalent potential to Palantir, which I think is a 10x potential. And people hate on me when I say that. But I think if you take a look at, at, at Tesla right now, it's not a cheap company, but it's priced so low compared to NVIDIA. And I think it's a better play than NVIDIA as far as the upside. So I think there's no way that for the second half of this year, Tesla doesn't make up that difference. And actually, that difference gets priced in. Because there's one thing that Tesla taught the investing world. Until Tesla came in into this world, Herbert, the assumption was that 80% of the money in the market is institutional money. 20% is retail money. And retail money is stupid. Retail money has no idea. They don't have the research. They don't have, you know, they're flaky. They're traders. They're easily scared, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And people were saying, well, Tesla only has like 30% institutional and it's 70% retail. So it's eventually going to fall over, kill over. And every time it dips, retail buys the dip. It dips, retail buys the dip. It dips to 100, retail buys the dip. The retail in Tesla proved for the first time in history that it does better research, it does better analytics, and it is 100% more stable than institutional when it comes to a stock like Tesla. People like to say, well, Tesla is a cult stock. It is, but for a reason. There's definitely this... It's called brands, right? Called brand like Apple for a reason, right? Tesla has managed to create something that's very similar to what Apple has done uh, in its sphere, which is to create an ecosystem which allows Tesla to sell value. Every other single auto manufacturer in this world, on this God-given earth, is selling price. There's not, except for luxury brands, who I think are irrelevant, uh, <coughs> lucid. Um, I mean, every, everybody sells price. You're trying, you know, a Chevy versus a Ford versus a whatever, right? Tesla came out and did what Apple has done with the iPhone. Apple causes you to spend 1500 bucks every year on, on essentially a phone with, with ease because of the ecosystem, because of the software, because of the UX, because of the UI, because of, you know, what it does for your life, et cetera, et cetera. Tesla has done that with vehicles. It's the first auto manufacturer that pushes value. Uh, the Model Y is the best-selling car in the world right now. It just bypassed the Corolla, which is significantly cheaper and has not been beaten in decades. And that's with an expensive car. Imagine what it does when it releases the next-gen platform, whatever that's going to be called. So I think with all that in mind, I haven't even said a word about energy. 
I haven't even said a word about robotics. I haven't said a word about AI. I haven't said a word about insurance. And we can do this all day about all this other stuff they're developing. And they're really good at multitasking, by the way. So, I mean, at this point, at this juncture, at you know, at 80 PE, I'll take it. So I guess the question is at 2023, right? You know, it, it, Tesla's been traditionally seen as a car company, and that seems to be holding strong. Maybe there's been a new narrative beginning the first half of this year. But what mm-hmm. would the catalyst need to be to finally people say that Tesla's an AI company, Tesla's an energy company in the second half of the year? Because you did say 2023. So I'm just going to hold you off on that a little bit. You know, what would need to happen for that to happen? Of course, I'm a big believer. I know that Tesla's going to go to 300 and then and then beyond by the end of this year because of the catalyst of, of the Cybertruck. And I do believe that people will start seeing Tesla as an AI company. The question is, you know, there's a, there's, there's, does there have to be catalysts to change the narrative? I do notice that CNBC and, and the, uh, the institutional analysts are asking questions about energy and AI now. And so I do realize that it is changing. But what's, what do you think might happen in the next six months for truly the stock to continue its growth up in order to be one of the better investments for the year? So for, for, for Tesla to be excellent in 2023, it doesn't have to 10x in 2023. Let's be clear. It, it, it has to do well. And for the stock to do well in 2023, and I spoke about it with the, when I spoke with Gary Black, I had him on my channel, and I spoke about it. Gary and I see things very similarly. So we value Tesla, despite everything we just said, based on what they got right now in market, right? So if the way I look at Tesla and the way I analyze it, I look at it and I analyze based on things they've already released. My valuation has nothing in it, which is a future product, which I don't know how to price yet. So looking at it, Tesla, let's look at Tesla as a car company, right? Even as a limited view car company for the rest of this year, for the next six months. Because I think for the next six months, this is where the money is going to come from. There's no, there's no other way to look at it. So for the next six months, let's look at it as a car company, right? So this is a car company that's operating in high interest environments, a little bit quasi-recessionary demand curve. And a very, very strange market right now. It's up, it's down. So the economy is kind of trying to test where it's at. Interest rates are high. Demand for for vehicles uh, isn't as good as it used to be like back in the day, et cetera, et cetera. So in that, in that environment, first of all, Tesla does not, like if, show me a car company, especially in North America, that has no debt and has massive amounts of cash. So they don't need, there's no, you know, I mean, as far as, you know, uh, leveraging is not, not an issue for Tesla. So they're not going to be sensitive to, to interest rates. While Ford and GM are carrying massive ball and chains and like we're talking about massive debt. So if you eliminate that, the performance by, just on that point alone of their financials is going to be insanely good because they will not feel the pain of, of high interest. And if I mentioned you mentioned earlier, one of my videos, the Fed, they did say that they're not re- reducing rates for the rest of the year. So we're at five and a half percent for the six months. Tesla doesn't feel it. They don't care. They don't care because they have literally like and not literally, but quasi zero debt. That's number one. Number two, Tesla is currently on the cars they're selling today. Not talking about a year now, two years. Based on what they got out today, that's the crazy part. They have the best operating margins in the business, the best EBITDA margin in the business. So we're talking about a company that generates under two million vehicles a year. They have, I'm not even talking about Ford and GM. I'm talking about Toyota. Let's compare them to Toyota and VW. Tesla is beating Toyota and VW with margins as it stands. So Toyota, you know, they make 10 million cars a year. 
That's the mix under two to so five times less vehicles, better margins at this point. They've not even fully scaled yet. They don't have, you know, the the margin making cars yet. Cybertruck is going to be a massive margin car. Uh, the next gen uh, uh, cheaper car is going to be a massive generating margin generating car. FSD, when it releases it, it's, we're talking about a SaaS product, the 80% gross margin. That's going to be so, even then, on automotive margins as they stand on the Model Y and the Model 3, X and, X, X and S, I don't care about, they don't really make money for the company. But the Y and the 3 are so much better in margins as it stands right now. And Tesla is just ramping up, ramping up more. It doesn't seem like it has a demand problem like certain morons were claiming a year ago. <laughs> so, it's not hitting a demand wall. They're selling everything they can, as, as, you know, the only constraint for Tesla is how many cars they can push out, right? So they're selling more and more cars. Demand is going up. Prices are coming down. So they're eroding margins for massive amounts of demand. So margins are the best in the business. No sensitivity to uh, to to interest rates. So if I look at their second half of the year as an automotive automotive company, I mean uh, they're going to kill it in the market. They're going they're going to generate massive amounts of cash flow at great margins. They're going to increase their cash positions. They're ramping up. They're building new factories, et cetera, et cetera. All while investing massive amounts in R&D, in CapEx, building new factories, basically um, increasing the lead they already have, which is a country mile. And, you know, I find it amusing. Like people talk about BYD. Sure, BYD sells a lot of cars in China. Uh, half of it is hybrids. That's a whole different point that people kind of miss out. But even, you know, there's a video that's circulating on Twitter. I mean, you know, it, it's a very broad definition of what an electric vehicle is. I mean, it's not... It's not in the same category. Sorry. It would all due respect to BYD. I think they can be good, but in any case, just as an automotive company for the rest of the year, they're going to kill it. They're going to have another two great quarters, which is going to push uh, the stock up as far as a catalyst. And uh, at, at this point, you know, they don't have to go to $3,000 in six months. I'm not interested in that. So as long as they keep pushing and they keep getting better every single quarter, for me, that's enough. And I think it, none of the other automotive factors in the world, definitely not in America, are going to catch up anytime soon. Hey there, thank you for joining me. If you can, please consider supporting this channel so I can keep it going. It's a lot of work arranging all these amazing interviews. One of the easiest ways is just to click that join button and become a member of the channel. Thank you very much. Let's get brighter. Now, what I love talking about with you is that actually you sound like you're a bull and you are a Tesla bull, but you're actually not an Uber bull because... No, no, they hate me for this. Like the the hardcore people, they hate me. Right, right. (laughs) which is funny because you're actually reserved because uh, you just told me that your five-year target for Tesla is uh, 1,400. And that is a, that's a sumer of 300 right now. That's like a 5X. It's a 430% upside. Which, Which is hilarious, which is great. But it's funny that, you know, like, Many of us. You know, on that list, you've seen that list on Twitter of the price yeah, yeah. targets? Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the less yeah. ones. Yeah, I'm one of the less ones. One of the lower yeah. ones. Which is yeah, funny, yeah. which is great because you're you're very careful. You're you're very conservative. And so I just want to set the stage because people uh, might think that you're very bullish. And yet you do say bullish things like you, you're saying right now. You, even in that lens, you still see Tesla being a great investment this year and next year. And of course, ongoing. But show me your discounted cash flow approach because I do want to see how the how you broke it down. Um, this is a spreadsheet that you've established, and I want to see how you're thinking about things. Um, so I'm going to share this screen that you've shared with me, and you walk me through this whole thing. Yeah. So this is coming from Stock MVP. This is my own platform, which I helped to create. This is kind of a summary of the assumptions I use for my DCF model. So it's easier to look at the screen rather than an Excel spreadsheet. So basically, just to talk about your point here, and I think it is important, 
uh, I am a bull. In fact, it's kind of funny because I'm a, what you would call a moderate, um, pragmatic bull. I'm being hated by both sides. The people who are like, absolutely, you know, there's a lot of hate towards Tesla. It's like, oh, you're a fluffer. You're like, la, 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 and all that stuff. And right. the people on the other side, like, uh, I love uh, Warren, but Warren like has like, right. he says, oh, your target, target price are ridiculously low. You don't understand. It's a, and I love these discussions with him, right? But uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. But to me, the idea of investing is very simple, Herbert. Um, I look at what's probable than what's possible. So for me, I look at what the company shows me today and I look at the absolute worst case and I say, okay, what am I going to make worst case of this, right? And then from that point on, whatever I make above that worst case scenario, it's a bonus. I don't want to be surprised and caught blindsided. So for me, I'm not going to represent to myself, oh, obviously I think Tesla can hit way higher than this, but I'm not going to show that uh, and, and represent that as my position because I'd like to be wrong on the downside than wrong on the upside. Okay. So yeah, yeah. to to this yeah. date, to this date, with all the criticisms towards Elon, right? He's late on his time, sure. But there's a good reason he's late on this on you know on the things he on his timelines. Um, and I had it happen to me before. What do you rather be? Late on your timeline or push out something that's half baked and isn't ready? So, you know, you can you can take a page out of Boeing's book. What happens when you push out a pre-ready plan, yeah. like a 7, 787, right? That's all story. Like, So he does, he's not going to push out something that's not 100% perfect. And until it's 100% perfect, it's not coming out. And you all can, you know, you can drink a glass of water and just relax. So it's, it's later than we promised. Whatever, right? The FSD, oh, you promised. Well, sure, whoop-de-doo. I mean, it's going to be out when it's 100% ready. He doesn't push out half-baked stuff. And I respect him for that. And uh, with all the respect to Dan O'Dowd and his crowd of haters, I mean, <laughs> it's not, it's already pretty good, but I mean, uh, it's still in beta. So the idea is for me is uh, it's kind of this Eastern European approach. I mm. look at the worst possible outcome. That's like, that's the Russian side of me. Like right. I, I'm going to look at it gotcha. as like the most bare case possible. Yeah. And then I'm going to be surprised to the upside. So as far as my model, like that's the you're, a quant. Model. you're a quant, you're a quant too. You want to calculate I, things I, and you want to, I want to, yeah, I want to see the numbers. Exactly. I want to see the numbers. I don't want to assume like, there's no way. Like, I don't know what the margins are going to be fine. Like the, what's the final margins of the FSD is going to be like, what's the penetration is going to be like, I don't know what's the Tesla bot's going to be like. I don't understand fully still yet the insurance business, how it's going to look like. Well, the, um, the MBA term for it is nutty. Yeah. <laughs> the margins are going to be nutty. <laughs> I, I think like FSD is going to be 80% gross margin, which nobody yeah. has in the auto industry. No, that alone excludes Tesla's from auto manufacturer definition. Like nobody has 80%. Tesla is a SaaS business. Mm-hmm. Um, with um, energy robotics, AI, and um, yes, it one of the uh, applications of their technology is vehicles. Sure, that's the first one they pushed out to generate cash flow. But I mean, I've I've said it earlier today. The it, it's Tesla Energy is so misunderstood. But let's talk about it later. Let's talk about the model first. Okay. So okay. this model has nothing of these things. The only thing it has, this model, the only thing it has from the energy side is just the mega pack because it's selling, mm-hmm. so it's generating cash flow. Uh, it doesn't have uh, the Cybertruck yet. It doesn't have the Model 2, whatever you want to call it, you know, the $25,000 car. It has what we have in the market right now, uh, a very careful assumption of, of FSD, beginning of FSD penetration, et cetera, et cetera. So basically a very careful model. Um, on the, As you can see here, it's a five-year target. We have the conservative, the middle ground, and the optimistic side of things. A bare case for me here, the, the conservative side, the five-year, this is essentially if everything goes to hell, 
where Tesla is going to be in five years. If every single assumption I have about this company goes foo-foo and this becomes a goofy stock and every, like something like Elon Musk leaving the company, something insane happens. So the absolute bear case for this company is going to be 446. So in my opinion, right, when I look at this, I say, I like that floor because at that floor, you know, at the worst, I'm pretty much on par with the, uh, with the S&P 500, right? So mm. if I just put my money nice. in index fund, I'm going to make 50%, right? Nice. So this, so my floor is pretty much the index. So I'm, I'm, I love I'm this. pretty comfortable with that. Yeah. Love this. So the, love this. So yeah. 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 The middle ground, I think, uh, is where, uh, you know, you have a little bit more uh, bullish assumptions. But if you look at the optimistic side of things, it's not that optimistic because the only thing I've assumed in my optimistic model is 50% growth, which they got today. And they've reiterated multiple times on the guidance they performed, they delivered 50% growth. And as they come out with the Cybertruck and they come out with the Model 2, and the FSD, things that are already lined up, that 50% is going to hold up on the revenue growth. That's the, that's the most difficult part of this model is the growth. I think 50% they'll do easily with all these new stuff. We're talking about revenue nice. growth, right? You know, that's a difference between profit. you and Gary Black, right? Because Gary does not assume that it's going to be 50% growth. Yeah. But... Look, I'm I'm not Gary Black, and Gary Black isn't me, and I love Gary Black. But my assumption is something that that's based on my own uh, world. In my world, right, when I'm looking at a new SaaS product, uh, 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 look, let's pause this for a second. What is the best category to be in in the United States as an auto manufacturer? It's pickup trucks. It's the best category, best margins. Uh, you make the most amount of money. It's an it's an absolutely beast of a category. So Tesla is generating right now 50% growth on an annual basis without a truck. Now, the truck is there. It's, it's, it's out in the year. So, okay, what's the best uh, margins on a four-door sedan, right? That twenty-five dollars to $30,000 car. They don't have it yet. So as it stands right now, Tesla is doing a 50% growth without a truck, without a four-door sedan proper. Like uh, the Model 3 is a more of a premium sedan, right? So imagine, and, and then you add a SaaS product, which is the FSD. Just, just these three things alone give you 50% growth a year if you start factoring them in from 24, 25, 26, 28 for the next five years. So again, I, I definitely see a 50% growth as something that's, I put it here as optimistic, but I would say it's cautious optimistic. If you go um, down and you, yeah. you, you look through the model, net income margin is 8 to 12%. It's reasonable. Uh, free, we can go to PE. PE is pretty much what it's at today. Conservative, it's 80 it's trading at 80 right now. 100, it's not out of the realm of possibility for a company that's going to dominate like crazy. Uh, discount rates right here, as you can see, are 14 and 12. So the reason you see that difference in the discount rates, and I'm going to explain that in a second. So based on my weighted average cost of capital for Tesla right now, it should be discounted at 14%. Okay. So just to explain to people who are not from finance, and I'm sure you know this, right? But the idea here is the higher the discount percentage is, you know, the less the valuation becomes, right? The, the more discount you have, the less future money is worth today, right? So if you look at Tesla today and you do a weighted average cost of capital calculation, right? You look at their, uh, the structure of the, of, the, of the cost of equity, you get 14%. But that's based on the 3.9% uh, risk-free rate, which is going to come down as rates will come down over the next five years. That's a fact. So you have to adjust for that. So even my conservative approach is uber conservative. Like it's, mm -hmm. it assumes 14% discount for every single year for the next five years. It's not going to happen. If anything, mm -hmm. this should have been 12 and 10, 
Like if I was honestly like super honest with myself, I would put 12 and 10. But I like to be like super, super hard on my companies that I value. <laughs> so with with 12, 12% optimistic, I would call it, it's, it's going to be very hard to say that it's not going to be, you shouldn't be discounting at 10%. And look, as company becomes, you know, as Tesla becomes better, the cost of capital becomes cheaper because more people are willing to give it more money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a place to assume a lower discount rate. But hey, the five-year optimistic that's 1420, and by the way, that's an accident. Somebody noticed in my community, it's 1420. And I was like, I didn't even notice when I was doing my model. It's it's a, it's an accident. So it says 1420. Um, that's an yeah. accidental number. I don't know sure. I don't know what it says. And on the, also on the app, it says 430. It was almost 420. Um, I think it's going to be very hard for Tesla to go under that within the next five years. Um, I just, I, I, I said this earlier today. I'm going to repeat it today. Somebody asked me, hey, Tom, is it smart to invest in Tesla right now after mm -hmm. their crazy run and all that stuff? I said, look, it all depends on your horizon, right? Do you have a 10-year horizon on this stock? If you've got a 10-year horizon on Tesla, the chances of you not making money over the course of the next 10 years are zero. If you have the patience to put the money and wait for 10 years, you know, there's no, there's like, it's death, taxes, and Tesla. There's three certainties <laughs> in life. <laughs> so for the next 10 years, there's only three things certain. You know, that's, there's no, if the only question is, do you have the patience and are you going to need the money? Because sometimes people put in money uh, in, in, in the stock and shit happens, you know. Uh, health, God forbid, or, you know, trouble, uh, w financial issues, right? But if you can afford to stay in it for 10 years and not need the money, then, uh, you know, 10 years, it's your insurance policy. I mean, in 10 years, Tesla is definitely not going to be trading at $300 per share, unless there's going to be a split. I love this. So this is fantastic. You're, you're, the, you took, you really are being, being very, very conservative. Um, even your yep. conservative is very, uh, it's hard. It's hard. Like you know, it's actually really, really conservative. Um, yep. Your realistic model, right in the middle, and then you're really trying to tamp down on your optimism on the optimistic model. And that's why I like this a lot. This kind of gives me the sense that this is kind of the floor. And that and yet you're very bullish when you say something like, you know, this is uh, <laughs> a certainty that these things will happen. And then I think the way you're able to say that is because when you really look at it from the negative perspective of everything can go wrong, it still does pretty well. It still does well. So I really like that yeah. you did that. Wow, that's fantastic. And you even if Elon uh, leaves tomorrow, Herbert, right? Yep. And it just stays a car company. It doesn't move past this point. It still becomes no. the best car company in the world as it stands. Yeah. yeah. And I, I I agree. At this point, it's the uh, the train has left the station, as you can say, because Tom Jew and you got like the five gigafactories already moving yeah. along. It's not like you need Elon necessarily to create gigafactories. Um, he's already shook hands with all of the major uh, governments. I think that that's the thing that no one else could have copied at this point. If he had left last year, you yeah. know, I don't know if these deals with these um, these massive countries in the world, like the, the world leaders would have happened. They really, it's really him. So he is important. But like you said, if, if that doesn't happen anymore, you know, cars, production, and all that's happening. Um, tell me about uh, Tesla in 2024, and then you maybe include that, because I know you don't just look at Tesla, but you have this video about the bulletproof investment in 2024. So, you know, if, you, if people were thinking about what should they do for 2024, looking at the broader market, I assume, what was your, mm -hmm. uh, what was your recommendation? 
Well, it's not specifically a recommendation of, of specific companies. What I the video was uh, a tool for investors to use. So I'm trying to promote people to think in 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 the format of a process rather than a, a specific stock. So the idea here's that video was basically what's the process to build something that's going to last you for years. Now, the 2024 is basically SEO, search engine optimization. So we come up and search as creators because we want to get exposure, right? But the <laughs> idea is like, how do you build a political portfolio, something that lasts for years? Okay. And, and those, you know, you don't want to be flaky. You want to be very form. So, and the, what I, the, the lesson I want to teach people is like, look at what happened, right? Tom Nash, 2021, pushing Palantir. Tom's a genius. Everybody loves Tom. <laughs> 2022 comes in, Palantir drops from 35 to 6. Tom Nash, you're an idiot. We hate you. People unsubscribing, like videos, angry videos. 2023 comes in, it jumps from 6 to 20. Tom, you're a genius again. I mean, come on. Give me a break, bro. Come on. Now, I, during that time, I haven't sold my, I, you know, I didn't sell anything. I, I, I stayed, stayed the course. It didn't really bother me. There were other people who were in the community who sold. I don't care about that. But the idea here is very simple. Why did I why didn't I manage to stay in despite this craziness? Because I had a process. The process is something very, very simple. Like, and I teach in that video. Is look, it starts with, with bottom to top. So you look at your life and you say, okay, if I'm running my life, I should run it like a company, right? Every company, especially a public company, you know, they have to have a budget, right? They have to have a, an audit of the budget to see that they conform with the budget. And they have to uh, make a new budget every quarter, make sure that they, they stand with it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. As, as an individual or household, whatever it is for you, right? Uh, you'd be shocked how many people do not manage a household budget. It's just shocking to me how many they don't. And I was like, dude, before you even talk to me about the stock market, let's see your budget, okay? Let's see how much uh, cash flow you generate, right? How much revenues you got. What's your uh, fixed costs, right? What's uh, your variable costs, et cetera, et cetera. Let's build a budget. And let's see what your free cash flow is as a household, right? Cool. So we figure out what's your free cash flow is as, a, as an individual or household. Nice. From that free cash flow, we start taking apart. Okay. How much money are you going to spend on having fun or buying, you know, stuff that make you happy, whatever, traveling, whatever, right? And how much is going to go towards your future, right? Your future being basically savings and stock market, right? So let's say that, let's say that uh, $1,000 a month, you you are comfortable allocating to the stock market. Notice that this a thousand didn't come out from your savings. It didn't come out from your food, from your rent. It's basically money you can spend on buying PlayStation video games or whatever traveling, right? So that one thousand is what you put in the market every single month. Cool. From that one thousand, let's pick the companies you want to invest in. Not based on price, not based on hype, not based on FOMO, not based on anything. Let's pick good businesses you want to own. If you were to buy Tesla as a company, as, as Warren Buffett, right, for example, like, right, would you have bought Tesla as, as a whole company? Would you have bought Palantir as a whole company, right? Let's find businesses that make sense to own because they, they'll dominate in the next 10 years. And even if it's overhyped, it's, you know, the price is too expensive, it doesn't matter. The price, let's just look at good businesses, right? And in any case, so, okay, we, let's say we pick five companies and each company gets an allocation of $200 per, uh, per month, right? So every, every month, those five companies you've picked get $200 automatically deposited. Uh, and that basically creates a process. Now, from that point on, you basically say, well, okay, I'm depositing instead of 200 every month, I'm depositing 160. Why? Because I'm saving $40 on the side. Why? Because you run a, a weighted average with every stock you invest in. 
So let's say you want to invest in NVIDIA, right? I don't know why would you in this price, but like, again, it's a good company by my system. You know, you look, you say, I ignore the price. It's a great business. They'll dominate. They'll be relevant. Sure. Let's say you want to buy NVIDIA, right? But NVIDIA is super, super expensive. It's trading in ridiculous multiples. So how do I reduce my my uh, weighted average cost of, uh, cost of uh, sorry, my average cost in the stock? Same with Tesla, same with Palantir, right? Well, you start buying without trying to time the market, right? You know, the, sh the share price goes up, goes down, goes up, goes down. Nothing goes up parabolically, right? So you can try to time it, which I think is statistically impossible. That's gambling. Or you can just try to buy it along the line as it goes up and down, up and down. If you just buy it along the line as it goes up and down, you'll have the average price during the whole time, which is much lower than the top, but much higher than the bottom. But if you say, I'm going to be buying at an accelerated pace when the stock price is down and at a reduced price when the stock price is up, then my weighted average at the end of the process within 10 years is going to be much closer to the bottom whatever that's going to be, right? So I'm essentially kind of timing the market without timing the market. So the way to do it is like you say, I'm spending $160 every single month on investing in Tesla shares, right? And I'm putting 40 to the side and I'm creating a bank. And that bank exists on the side as, a, as, as, as cash that I'm going to use. When I'm going to use it, when a, when a stock within the five stocks I have drops below a threshold, with, I determine that threshold. And everybody has their own threshold. But for me, for example, it's a 10% below the 52-week high. So let's say right now it's Palantir. It just broke through a new 52-week high today. It got into 20 bucks per share, right? So in that case, my new threshold is $18. Every time Palantir is above $18, like it's right now, I'm spending $160 a month. I'm not doing anything different. But the minute Palantir hopefully, hopefully drops because of bad earnings or something happens that dips the stock below $18 next week, hopefully, then I'm going to be doubling down. I'm going to be taking from my bank that 40 I put in every month and accumulated. I'm going to use that to double down and buy 320. Uh, because I'm now I'm in double down territory. So in double down territory, I'm not buying 160. I'm buying 320. And the cash is coming from that all this dry powder put on the side. And that way, I'm accumulating five companies that are going to be solid. And I'm making sure my cost basis in each of these companies is going to be closer to the bottom. Uh, as the longer I stay, the closer it's going to be to the bottom. And no emotions, no anxiety, no panic, no FOMO. I don't get scared when it goes down. I don't get excited when it goes up. It's automatic, absolutely mathematical formula because, you know, our own, you know we are our worst enemy. You know, uh, there was this famous study by Fidelity. They tested, like, all the portfolios, and they've, they've found out that the best performing portfolios were by dead people. People who, or people who forgot their passwords. I'm not even kidding. It's ridiculously crazy, right? Look, look at the biggest Tesla bulls that have made money. Dave Lee, right? Or Stephen Mark Ryan or Farzad. They haven't sold a single share. I know a guy like that. One of my relatives is an IPO Tesla investor. He hasn't sold a share in his life ever. And he's not even thinking about it. He needed to buy a house and some money that he needed fell through. He wasn't even thinking about selling Tesla shares. He took out a loan. So... Mm -hmm longevity in that you know that mindset is like as an investor as a long-term investor you want to eliminate emotions because emotions are going to where you're going to screw up and if you do that system you create a portfolio that's strong the cost basis is going to be by definition lower than the average and you're going to create something that can serve you when you retire instead of you know chasing that quick gains and the profits and the swing trade and the options and all that stuff so that's how i like to play uh -huh. my game yeah. i don't like to play the short game I like this so much. So it's a modified dollar cost averaging approach that then maximizes or yeah, increases the probability that you'll buy lower than the average, closer to the low. Yeah. I like this. This is the first time I've heard of that. I think that's valuable information for many of our viewers. 
I really appreciate that, uh, Tom. That was fantastic. I haven't even, I don't, I, I have not heard that before. And I think I might apply. Mm -hmm. it, I like the idea, which is, you know, you're, you're going to buy high because, uh, like you said, it's a good company. It's going to go higher than that. I've always bought Tesla at its height, at its all time high. If you really think about it, <clears throat> every time I've yep. been buying for 10 years, well, <laughs> the price where it is today, I bought at that time, it was the all time high at that time, but it's no longer the all time high today because it's a good company. You know, it's growth. Mm -hmm. It's already an exponential curve. But at the end of yep. the day, stocks go up and down. It's very volatile, as we saw last year, 300 to 100. And so, but that's what you do. So I love that very much. Now, let's talk about, um, you know, people made, a, made fun of me pre-split. I said, oh, it's the less chance to get it at 800 pre-split. And people were like, oh, Tom, you're a moron. Like when they dropped to 100. And like, it's the same thing. Like people are very short-sighted. I don't mind, honestly, but like- Sorry, sorry, stop. You you actually thought and knew that it might fall to post-split 100. Is that what you said? No, I didn't know it's going to fall. Okay. I, I tweeted before the split that 800 is the bottom for the stock. Okay, so 800 uh, divided by three at this point would be 200, uh, 200 something, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then it dropped to 100 and people are like, oh, right. Tom, you, you said you're an idiot. I said- no, my guy, you're missing the point. This is your opportunity to, to go from being a cynic who's sitting on the sideline complaining to actually, this is God giving you a second chance and you're missing it by taking shots at me, just buying the stock. I can't, I, you know what I mean? It's like, and like, dude, this is like God giving you another chance when they drop to 100. Yeah, and and then they change the tune and then they say, well, you know, oh, it's finally collapsing. I'm, I'll get it at 70. Well, good luck. Right. With that. Is that funny? Yeah, people were saying that too. It's a hundred. Oh, wait till seventy. No, I mean, yeah, you you put yourself out there as as I do too, and you will get bot shots because it's just hey, it's a conversation you're yeah. creating, and uh, no matter what you say, it's going to be the wrong thing because it's either too bullish or too conservative or whatever it is. Like people Bro, will say, yeah. I'm I'm Russian. For me, when people say mean things about me on the internet, that's the least of my concerns <laughs> in life. <laughs> that's funny. I guess so. But no, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, no, you're an interesting individual because you, you, you're, you're because you know when you say I'm Russian, there's that, there's that, you know, mentality of being conservative, being very careful about your your assets. But then time time you can be very bullish too in your statements. Um, so tell me about Nvidia and the AI boom, right? Because this is important. This is a narrative of the that you said it earlier at the beginning of the show. You said that AI AI boom is real. I've been saying the same thing. Yeah. This isn't. Yeah. This is even bigger than the internet boom. Uh, oh yeah, and all that. Internet boom was real, absolutely. But there's so many companies that weren't real jumped on the bandwagon. And the question today is, you know, is this AI boom? There are definitely companies jumping on the bandwagon. You got to be super careful. AI boom is real and it's bigger than the internet. This is going to be the biggest yep. thing so far that's ever going to increase the productivity and the valuation of these companies. And we're just, I just reported this morning that 44% of all the S&P 500 companies have reported on this by this date, July. And 80% um, of them, of those who reported uh, positive earnings. And so, and and I don't even know if that includes AI boom. So tell me about Nvidia. You you had a, a video where you said here's the right valuation for Nvidia. So two parts question, right? One is what's the right valuation of Nvidia? Because we all know that how how big of a jump it made in the last several months. And then back to the beginning of the conversation, how does this apply to the Tesla? Tesla showed that they have their Dojo supercomputer. That's going to mm -hmm. be equivalent to the NVIDIA, super, their super, uh, Tesla supercomputer. 
I'm not trying to compare Tesla to NVIDIA. I'm just saying that, you know, Tesla themselves is an AI company, but they're not being recognized. I think they're a better for... AI company. Okay. So tell me about that. Well, AI, right? I'm not an AI expert. Let's be honest. Okay. I'm not here on the wearing my head as an AI expert. There's definitely better experts than me. In fact, almost anybody's a better expert than me. There's one thing <laughs> sure. I know about AI is what creates AI is quantity of data, right? Whoever has the most data right. is most likely going to win, right? Who has more, sorry, freaking data than Tesla? I'm sorry, I was about to do it again. So who has more more data than Tesla? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, NVIDIA is, is a great company and Jensen is definitely, you know, a top five CEO. Uh, he's proven that. Every single person I know who works for NVIDIA loves that mm -hmm. company. People don't want to leave. They max out their ESOP plans. They're buying like crazy. They're, they're raving about the company. I know multiple people who work for NVIDIA. Like it's, the culture is incredible. The company is in the forefront of, of every major technolo technological development, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think Tesla just has more data. They have more data. And even though NVIDIA has some really smart people, Tesla has better HR because the best engineers in the business, they want to work for Tesla. They want to work for Elon. So better people, uh, more data, and more resources invested in AI development. So where's where's NVIDIA? You know, it's it's like they can coexist and they're not mutually exclusive. But I think people have a hard time. I, why do I think Tesla isn't priced like NVIDIA? Look, NVIDIA is priced at 240 price to earnings, mm -hmm. uh, 45 price to sales. I mean, it's incredible valuations. And uh, if you look at Tesla, it, they're priced at a completely different level. Because people have a hard time identifying Tesla as an AI play. Because they build cars, then mm -hmm. it's really hard for the retail investor and more so for the institutional investor to accept the fact that this company is indeed an AI play. Because they've never seen a car company that's also like an AI play. That's why you can get Tesla at, at 69 price to earnings and 9 price to sales. So it's a misunderstanding. It has to do with historically institutional investors misunderstanding Tesla. It started with stuff that are kind of normal. Like Gary and I spoke about it. Institutional investors, they want to see share buybacks, which is a waste of money. If you're Elon, like why? I'll, I'll use that capital better, right? They want to see a succession plan, which none of us want to see as Tesla bulls. We want to see Elon there. I mean, that it will accept the key man risk. So institutional investors, they have a hard time with key man risk. They have a hard time with lack of share buybacks, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't like that, you know, 60, 70% retail. I mean, they think retail is stupid. So we've proven to them that they're stupid and they've lost a lot of money and a lot of opportunities and we've made a lot of money at Tesla, but still, you know, they have this superiority complex where they feel like, you know, they're looking down on retail. Whatever, I don't mind. Uh, to me, it's a misunderstanding. It's a mispricing. Uh, and at the end of the day, look, you can pay 240 PE on NVIDIA and get, I think, a top three AI company. Or you can pay one third of that and get the best AI company or probably one of the, I think it's between Tesla and Palantir, but they're competing on different categories completely. They're absolutely um, parallel at one third of the price. So which one would you buy? I think to me, it's clear. I mean, I tested ADP just ridiculously low. And um, look, at the end of the day, uh, if I look, you and I have been around, right? I'm 42 years old. I've seen what cars used to look like, right? And you've seen what cars used to look like. If I would have told you when you was 25 years old, or you would have told me when I was 25 years old, we're going to have autopilot. Forget FSD, just autopilot. 
that would that seemed like science fiction, right? Mm-hmm. I know we grew up on like Back to the Future and flying cars and all that baloney, right? But I mean, like, cars mm-hmm. have not evolved, you know, since the fifties until Elon came out. The, the cars that we drove before Tesla and the cars we drove in the fifties are pretty much the same thing mm-hmm. with minor cosmetic adjustments and some, you know, electronic adjustments. Um, Elon came in and absolutely revolutionized not just you know the fact of the way the you know the powertrain works, is the software, the UX, UI, what what the comp what a car is, the ecosystem of a car company, uh, the 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 monetization possibilities, etc. 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 So much has changed, you know, uh, in the in the in the, the business. So uh, I again, it's the same people who say, well, Ford is valued at. 4 PE and this, okay, so they're not going to be convinced, and that's okay. But at the end of the day, I think uh, institutional investors are starting, starting to come around with Tesla because every time Elon executes and he delivers an outstanding quarter like they did last time, they, they're starting to realize this is for real. And uh, I, I think for me, it's kind of a, it's it, the longer it takes them to understand that, the better. Because I'd love to pick up more Tesla, and the longer this takes yeah. them, I'm, 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 I have no You're issues with it at all. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. No yeah. There's, problem. there's definitely people that invested in 2022, and I feel for them as well. But um, tell me about. Uh, I know you only have just a few four minutes here, so it's a big question. Maybe you can answer it very quickly. But what do you think is Tesla's superpower? What is it that makes them so successful? What, from your perspective, which is a conservative who is bullish. <laughs> I don't, I, look, you guys think I'm a conservative. I mean, definitely compared to Farzad, I'm a conservative, and he's been. He, I think he's done a terrific job at educating people about uh, mm-hmm. Tesla, uh, in such an objective and uh, level-headed way. Yeah, I think uh, he's built a terrific community. And so, um, going back to what's the superpower of Tesla, I don't think there's one. Mm-hmm. So. If I had to cho- if I had to choose what makes Tesla tick, if we take if we take Tesla, we break it apart to pieces and what's inside. I think it's the dude, bro. Uh, without him, <laughs> none of this happens. Like, look, we had smart, you know, we had smart people before. We had capital before. We had machinery before. All of this existed. Uh, sometimes we need we need that dude to come in and say, "Hey, we want to do the impossible." Uh, and <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> look. I'm going to, uh, no disrespect to Ford, right? Mm-hmm. And I like Jim Farley. I think Jim Farley yeah, is a fine great. CEO. But before him, you know the guy who was in charge? I don't remember. So he, so before, I don't want to name any names, but the previous CEO of Ford, uh, his previous job before that, he was in a furniture company. He was the CEO mm-hmm. of a furniture company. So the, that's a huge difference. I'm not, no disrespect to anybody. I'm saying that when you have a CEO who is a founder, and he is pretty much a one-man show. He dominates the board. He dominates decision-making. He dominates everything. He gets to call the shots. And he is a terrific mind. He has engineering understanding. He has the vision, et cetera, et cetera. He's not there to push numbers. Like He's actually a visionary. It's almost like when you think about what made Apple so incredible, yep. right? It's yep. Steve Jobs came in and was such a mm-hmm. visionary. But I think Elon Musk is a Steve Jobs 2.0 because it's not just that visionary. He also had that. He has that engineering background that the Steve Jobs never had. He was just, you know, an innovator and, and, and such an incredible mind. But Elon Musk comes in and he understands how every little thing ticks. He can explain in every single minute detail of, a, of the composition of a battery or of every machinery. Like he knows where every single bolt goes, et cetera, et cetera. His ability to go drill down into details and come back up into the vision right away 
and create a company with no real like Farza talks about it. It's absolutely flat structure. You can email Elon. There's there's no bureaucracy and all this shit. Like like his ability to create this incredible structure where a company invests massive amounts of money into capital R and D and then just spend so much money in innovation and still manage to be more profitable than everybody else. I mean, this is like unthinkable things. So if you ask me, what's the superpower? It's a dude, bro. It's a dude. <laughs> it's a dude, Without him, bro. none of this happens, bro. It's a dude. <laughs> it's a dude. Like, uh, at the end, uh, the core, like, when you distill everything, it's him. Bro. Yeah, yeah. No, so <clears throat> I do think, of course, it's him. There's no de- denying it, but what he's created, his number one product, is the company, and the company is meant to live forever, and it's designed yeah. in a way that's continuing growing forever. So I... I don't want to put too much. It is it's absolutely him. That's a superpower. But I, I am one of those who don't, you know, can see this thing succeeding at this point as he continues to make it happen. The bots are going to happen if something happens, yeah. happens to them. It's like it's already got to the point now where it's going to happen. So, you know, once he yep. got these things going, they're moving forward and he's, it's almost a runaway train. Okay. Well, thank you I mean, so much. Dude, look, if you, if, you ignore the, if you ignore Tesla, let's leave people with this. Let's ignore Tesla, right? If I would have told you, hey, we're going to send rockets into space, they're going to come yeah. back and land on an X on the floor. And like that has nothing to do with Tesla. And he did that as well. So like, I mean, yeah, I, no, no, it's, yeah. it's obvious that I've, no I've one... come from the from the country that invented these rockets, the previous versions. Right. I mean, nobody imagined this shit is going to be able to be reused and like land on back. <laughs> like, like this is like this is like yeah. back to the future science fiction for me to see this things happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm no so doubt. fortunate to get to see this. Yeah. We, we are living in the in the lifetime at the Insane. same time as Elon Musk is, and he's he will turn out to be in the history of the world, if not the, it's going to be one of the top people that has changed the world significantly. Yeah. Um, and people like complain he's not tan enough. Motherfucker, that's good. <laughs> he works like twenty four seven. Like that's exactly what you want. Right. You know, I'm looking like Bezos over there, like with the like. Uh, Muscles. Dude works. He spends five hours of his day working out, right? And uh, uh, Elon's not doing yeah. that. That was a lot of fun, Tom. I really hope you'll agree to join me on a regular basis, or at least at least a few more times. Uh, please follow Tom on YouTube. He is on Tom Nash TV. Uh, this is, you know, you're enjoyable to listen to. Smart, opinionated, willing to take the arrows. Follow Tom on Twitter at I am Tom Nash. Thank you so much, Tom. See you. See everybody. Thank you, Herbert, for having me. It's been a blast.